Good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name's TJ. It's, uh, it's been a while since I've been up here and speaking, and so, man, I'm excited to be back with you guys this weekend to share in our Voices series. Um, last weekend, did you guys enjoy Pastor David Hughes from Church for the Glades? Was Pastor David not incredible? Uh, they are doing incredible things over there. I absolutely love their church. I love their pastor. It's such an honor to have him here. And in case you're new to Coastal or you've been here just a couple of weeks, uh, we don't, we're not uh, in competition with the local church. We partner together with the other local churches because we are going to change this community only one way, and that's us doing it together. And so, man, I love Church by the Glades. I love other churches in this community. I love partnering with them to make Jesus the focus and famous in our community. And so today, if it's okay, I just want to kind of share from my heart. Is that all right if we do that? It's not very often I'm like, hey, I just want to kind of give you something from my heart. Most of the time it's like, hey, here's something real practical in life. But I figured we're in this Voices series, and I thought I would just share something that I've been challenged with personally. Um, I was actually reading out of the book of Titus, and it's a letter from Paul to a pastor that he has uh, put in charge of a church. And what he says to this pastor is really my mandate as a pastor to help you do. And and so I want to share that with you because I think it's important. In Titus chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Remind the people, that means the body, the church body, to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready to do whatever is good. And then in verse 8, he says, I want you to stress these things, talking about those things, so that those who have trusted in God, that is us as Christ followers, he's saying that those that have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for every single one of us. And so he's saying, hey, I want them to be doing the things that are excellent and profitable for them. And, and not that two th- times is enough. He goes on to say a third time in verse 14, he says, our people, meaning the people in our church, our, this body of believers must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. And so he, three times he goes, man, I want them to learn to do what's good. I want them to see the opportunity that's out there. I want them to see what's good and not only just see it, but do it, to live that thing out. And so today this is going to be a little bit of a different message than what would normally happen because most people live with this idea that the church is all about what is it doing for me. Like, what is the church doing for me? Like, it is our opportunity to come here and have like this cool little kind of social club where it's insiders and we're all together. We're going to talk our language. We're going to hang out. We're going to have fun. And, and a lot of people have that perspective of what church is, where it's just a place for us to come and get fed and get our needs met. And it's all about me, 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 me. And I believe that as the church and and here at Coastal, we live with a conviction. And I say conviction, I say that word intentionally because I am convicted of this. And I I believe we should have a conviction that our primary focus as the church shouldn't be on ourselves. The primary focus of the church should be on those who are not yet part of the church. 
It shouldn't be the focus that says, give me everything I need. It should be, how do we get the people that don't know that they need what we have to understand that need and experience that life-changing relationship with Jesus that transforms and changes everything? Because the local church, I believe, with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, is the hope of this world. Because the local church is us. And what's living inside of us is Christ himself. He actually said that you and I, we are the church. It's not some walls. We're all about some walls. I'm excited about some walls going up so we can tear some people's walls down. But it's not about buildings. It's about building people. It's about changing people. It's about reaching people. It's about doing good and seeing those opportunities. It's one of the reasons we've we've said as a church, our mission is we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, know, and follow Jesus. Man, it's all about that. And and I just want to take a second here because I actually had somebody this past week tell me, man, it seems like all we talk about right now uh, is is building a building. And, and, And I'll say this, we're talking about a building right now because that is the opportunity that's right in front of us. But let me just cast some vision to you here real quick. I have a vision for our local church, Coastal Community Church, to have a Coastal Community Church in every single city in Broward County. So if you think it's just about a building in Parkland, you ain't seen nothing yet. Man, I have a vision for our church to put dream centers in places like Collier City where we can go hope and change a culture of a community so they don't have to live in the poverty that they've experienced in the past, but they can live in the freedom of the future that God has for them. And then we can give them the resources to, start to change their mindset from this is how it's always been to what God could do. Man, I've got a vision that, that we're going to eradicate the foster care problem in our community as a church. Man, I've got vision for, you want some vision? Man, I've got a vision for the world. I believe that, the, that every city needs healthy, growing church plants right now. I believe that we need to plant churches all over our country. We need to be a part of that. We're, we're part of that through an organization called the Ark. But man, we could give them a heck of a lot more money to plant more churches. I've got a vision for a world. I was just in China. And uh, there are moments where you're in place and you're like, I'm not really sure why you're here. And then all of a sudden you have a moment where you're like, I know exactly why I'm here. Right now the church in China is being persecuted like crazy. But they believe that next year they're actually going to legalize the home church, which means that China's about to be evangelized like crazy. And what they need right now more than anything is to raise up leaders. And what they need to do that is they need people to go and re- source those things. I believe that we can make a huge difference in a country that has 1.2 billion people. Man, we're taking care of 500 kids in Africa. 500 kids, I mean, that's awesome, but what could it be like if we were taking care of 5,000? Listen, there's way more vision here than there is provision at the moment. So if you think it's just about a building, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> This is just the first step of many steps to come. But here's the thing. It's hard to jump on the other steps if you don't get in on the first step. Because when we're running full bore on the treadmill and you try to jump in running, you know what happens? You go flat on your face. Because you've got to build into those things. 
And right now we're in a, in a building up stage, and I believe that we're on the verge of something huge in our communities. And it's not just our church. I believe, I believe Church by Glades is doing incredible things. I believe Calvary Chapel is doing incredible things. There are incredible churches all over the place. Victory in Boca doing incredible things. Christ Fellowship uh, in Palm Beach County everywhere doing incredible things. Vu with Rich Jr. down in Miami. Rich Sr. at Trinity. Man, there's incredible things happening all over the place. And so one of my favorite sayings, if you've been around here, is the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity. It's by this old revivalist who died in 1994 named Leonard Ravenhill. He wrote a book called Why Revival Terries. Why we're not seeing the book of Acts playing out today. Is, and I believe that this is one of the reasons. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity. And I was got to thinking about the word opportunity. And this scripture came to my mind. And I've been, I've been thinking about it all over the last couple of weeks. And it's a scripture out of Ephesians chapter 5. And it says, be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, being, be intelligent, be, be very thoughtful of how you live, making the most of some opportunities. He goes, no, 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 making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. How many of y'all know the days are evil right now? Uh, we have some police officers here today. I know they know the days are evil. We've got some firefighters here that are seeing some evil things. We've got some students here that have experienced some evil things over the last year. Some parents, the days are evil, so what does that mean? We have to make the most of every opportunity. What's interesting is that word opportunity uh, is, is, wasn't written in the English language. And so when the translators were actually translating this verse, they translated from Greek to English. But the problem was, is for every English word that was out there, uh, there was like, or for the Greek words, there was like four different translations for that word. And so uh, most of the time, this word opportunity would be translated as, the word time. It would be this word chronos. It's like the time you tell on your watch. There's, there's a certain time of the day that there is, whether it's noon or it's one o'clock, but it could also be translated as this word kairos. And so this word opportunity can actually be kairos, and it means a divine or supreme moment in time, a favorable moment. They actually believed that God got involved in your time and changed time around so it would be favorable for you. Another, another definition, it says an undetermined period of time in which something special was going to happen. And my favorite one, it says a passing instant when an opening appears. In other words, they would, they would have this picture of, of a window and what would happen is the window would open and they say you would have to force yourself through that window as fast as you can because you have no idea when that window is going to shut. He said, make the most of every opportunity. In other words, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity. It's that favorable moment, getting something that you did not deserve. I saw this a couple of years ago in college football. I actually have two examples. I'm trying to, trying to figure out which one I should use. Should I use a Michigan example or should I use an Alabama example? What do you think? 
Michigan, okay. Um, do you guys remember in uh, 2015, Michigan versus Michigan State, there was a football game going on. Michigan State, is, or Michigan is up 23-21 at the 50-yard line with 10 seconds left in the game. It's fourth down. All they have to do is punt the ball away, and they've won the game. I mean, it's a win. It's the easiest win of all time for them. It would be the beginning of the hardball era. They snap the punt back. The punter fumbles the ball. In that moment, all of a sudden, there is this Kairos moment for Michigan State. They pick up the football, they run into the end zone, and they win the game, beating Michigan. Hail to the victors, Michigan State. It's my Michigan crowd back there. Why did that happen? Because God opened up this window, this Kairos moment, giving them an opportunity that they did not deserve. They did not deserve to win that game. But there was an opportunity that was there that they saw and they seized. And it changed the course of their season. And here's the point. It's God's job to give you and I these favorable moments, these botched punts that we get to pick up and run back for a touchdown kind of moments because God's grace is on each and every one of our lives. Because he wants every single one of us to win and fulfill the potential and the purpose within us. But here's my greatest fear, is that we'll squander those moments. That we'll mismanage those and go, oh, somebody else will pick up that ball. That's somebody else's opportunity And we'll sit back and we'll miss out on those Kairos moments, those opportunities of a lifetime that will pass us by. Listen, as your pastor, I love you. You can go to heaven, but I don't want to get to heaven and God say, Really? I gave you all this opportunity. I gave you the most incredible place in the world to live. I actually let you live in South Florida, which is paradise on earth. People vacation where you live. People save up all year to come where you stay 24-7. I gave you all that. I gave you incredible church. I gave, I gave you incredible gifts. I mean, TJ, you're extremely handsome and good looking. And that's the best you could do, you know? Like, <laughs> Listen, I understand everything God's given is, is his grace. But seriously, I don't want to get to heaven one day and go, God go, man, Seriously? All that opportunity. That was the best management of your moments that you could come up with. I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm saying that in like, man, have, have we ever checked ourselves? You know, back in the day, check yourself before you wreck yourself. You guys remember that? 
sometimes you got to have those conversations with God in your head. Like, if I went to heaven today, what would he say? But church, I believe with all of my heart that God is setting us up. And I don't want him to look at you and I and be frustrated. I believe that God is setting us up, that God has put us at this moment in time, this Kairos moment. And I can see it and I can feel it and I see the huge sense of responsibility that comes with opportunities that are favorable that we have no business being a part of. But yet God has given us this incredible opportunity. I mean, think about it, literally. We live in America, greatest country in the world. In the time when technology has advanced more than it's ever been before, communication is instantaneous today. In fact, if you were to just look at the population of, of, of the world, um, in 1900, there were one billion people on the planet. In 1950, just, just a little over 70 years ago, almost 70 years ago, there were 2.5 billion people on the planet. Right now, today, there are 7.6 billion people on this planet. By 2050, in 32 years, there's going to be almost 10 billion people on the planet. Like our population, right now, there's more people living right now than there were in 1900, all the way back combined. You can't tell me that we're not living at the greatest opportunity of our lifetimes ever. And over the next 30 years, our opportunities is only going to be compounding with what's out there. We have more advances, more opportunity than any generation has ever had and is right at our fingertips. And so wouldn't you agree that maybe, maybe possibly God is setting us up in this period of time, that God is setting us up in this moment for a Kairos moment to have a divine impact and opportunity on this world? And so I think there's three things that we, we could do with opportunity. There's a couple of things we could do. The first one is, is number one, or it's not a number one, there's not a number there. You gotta recognize the opportunity. We have got to recognize the opportunity. Dr. Albert Schweitzer, who was a great missionary to Africa, said, keep your eyes open for the little tasks because it's the little tasks that matter to Jesus. In other words, live your life with this sense of destiny. Live your life with this sense of, of purpose in life and, and, and realize the reason you're on earth sucking air right now is because you've got a purpose and a destiny. Like you're just not sucking air because we, we have too many trees and we need to get rid of some oxygen. You're sucking air right now because God has set you up for this moment in time. And what frustrates me more as a pastor than anything is when people go, man, you know what, I just don't know what my purpose is and so I'm just gonna wait here till I figure out my purpose. Your purpose is to make a difference right here, right now. So many people are waiting to discover your purpose. You want to know how you find your purpose? You start doing something, and you find out in the middle of doing something, I was designed for this. That's how you figure it out. You just dive in. You don't wait for the perfect opportunity. You go there, and you start doing things, and all of a sudden, you recognize, oh, this is the opportunity. 
In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So don't overthink this because God wants to use you right now. When you go to Starbucks right after church and go grab your double frappuccino with extra whip and some extra caramel, he wants to use you right there to impact somebody. When you go home today and your kids want to play with you and you just want to watch the PGA uh, uh, golf tournament, no, 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 there's an opportunity there that you're not seeing. When you go to work tomorrow and that coworker walks up and is like, you can just tell they had a bad weekend. That is opportunity staring you in the face. We way overcomplicate the reality. You were created for some good works and the good works are staring you in the face when you're going, where is my opportunity? It's right there. Man, I'm going to lose my voice today. I can already see it. We've got to learn how to recognize these opportunities. It says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, he's already making a way. In fact, if you were to go back to Genesis, he says, I will bless you, which we all love. We're like, God bless me. Rain it down. Rain down blessings. (laughs) Oh, there's a second half of that verse, though, isn't there? So you will be a blessing to others. So you want to see your opportunities? Look at where God is blessing you right now. And realize that the reason he's blessing you in that area is not so that you can consume more of that. It's so that you can actually be a funnel and a conduit to bless other people. He actually wants to use that, that raise you got maybe to impact some people in this world. Maybe that freedom you just got in your job, he wants you to use to go and serve some people in your community. He's not giving it to you just so you can have more stuff. I knew there weren't going to be a lot of amens in that far, but it's... Listen, your blessing, I've just learned this. Your blessing is an answer to somebody else's prayer. My wife and I, we were at Metro Diner here not too long ago. We love breakfast food. We're we're addicts of breakfast food. And and we were there, and and when our bill came, the waitress was like, oh, somebody paid for it. And I I got up, and I started walking around the restaurant. I was like, who the heck paid for my bill? I could not find who paid for my bill. I was like, I don't know who that is, but they just got blessed. And so I asked the waitress, I was like, like, give me an idea of how much that bill was. She was like, oh, it's like $25 or whatever. And I was like, well, I I opened up my wallet, and uh, all I had in there was a $50 bill. And so I said, you know what? God just blessed me with a meal that I was expecting to pay for. I'm going to leave this waitress a $50 tip. How many of you all know that I was the answer to her prayer that day? Why? Because it wasn't for me to be a blessed. I was blessed. I was like, man, this is awesome. Somebody just bought my meal. And I could have just gone and squandered that because that's what I would have done. I would have bought, you know, some, some more shoes or something, which I don't need. Come on, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's an opportunity to get more shoes. Every girl's got to have more shoes in her closet. I'm with you. I'm, I feel you. And I left her some invite cards for Coastal because I want her to know God loves her. Luke 12 tells us, Much is required from those to whom much is given. 
for their responsibility is greater. I believe because we do live in the greatest nation of all time with the the most luxuries of any place on this world, there's going to be a greater judgment for us. Like, what did you do with all of that stuff? It's one of the reasons why, man, we offer mission trips to you guys because I want you to go on a mission. Listen, my goal as a pastor is that every single one of you will go on a mission trip at some point. Not so that you can change the world, but so the world can change you. Because listen, you going on a mission trip for seven to ten days is not going to change the world. You're not changing. You're not changing anybody's world, but it is changing your world, which is then going to transform the world. Because all of a sudden, you've got a reality of how the rest of the world works, and you go, you know what? I want to give, and I want to serve, and I want to make a difference in the world through what I can do from a distance. So we got to recognize the opportunity. Number two, I got to hurry up. I must seize the opportunity. You guys remember Dead Poet Society? Anybody remember that movie? I'm, I'm, I'm aging myself out. Carpe diem, right? Seize the day. And not only do I have to recognize the opportunity, I actually have to do something with the opportunity. It says in Galatians 6.10, 6, therefore as we have kairos moments, as we have, uh, as we have punters fumbling the ball that we can pick up to run to the end zone, opportunities. Let's do good to all people, especially to those who live among the family of believers. See, one of the most exciting things about being a Christ follower is allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us about a moment and then going, you know what, this is my moment, and then use pouncing on that moment. And I wish I could say, man, I, I do this all the time. I, I actually need to do it more, but, but I, I try to learn all the time. One of my favorite things to do is to talk to, to Brian Banta, who's sitting right there, because all he wants to do is buy people coffee and leave them, here's something a little extra that God loves you. And so I'm like, well, I'll beat that. And so I'm always looking for opportunities. Sorry, I'm like, everything is a competition with me if you haven't figured that out. So you challenge me to something, I will, I will totally take you up on it as long as it's not playing like Frisbee or something. I like, I like challenges I can win. And that are significant. And so, <laughs> oh, I just hated all the Frisbee players. Uh, <laughs> but he tells me all the time, man, oh, man, I was doing this and doing this. And I'm like, man, I need to do that. And so, so every time I go to do it, it's like I, all I have. And so this is kind of my deal. I keep a $100 bill in my wallet all the time because I never know when I can make somebody's day with $100. $100 can change the trajectory of somebody's life instantaneously. And in the grand scheme of life, $100 isn't a lot of money. It might seem like a lot of money to you if you're one of those people that $100 will change your life right now. But I always keep it in my wallet. And I was, I was at another restaurant one day and, and my wife and I, we were sitting there eating and this waitress, we started talking to her because it's nice to have a conversation with the people. Most people just give them their order and ignore them. And so I like to strike up a conversation. How's your day going? What's happening? You have kids? I see you're married. What's going on in your marriage? I'm like, I'm, I'm just prying, you know? It's like, get out of my personal business, you know? It's, but she was just giving it to me. So I was like, this is awesome. I'll continue to ask you questions. And, and throughout the end of the, by the end of the time, she's like, man, I'm just struggling financially, all these things. And it's like, bing! Opportunity to be seized.
$100 bill. God loves you. Here's an invite to Coastal. In fact, the Bible tells us that you should be way more cognizant of that. In Colossians, it says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. To that waitress you're going to go to lunch with today. To that coworker who's going to walk up to you tomorrow. To that neighbor who's walking his dog past your house and saying hi. Make the most of every opportunity. We got to see those favorable moments and we got to take advantage of those moments. It says, let your conversations always be full of grace. But TJ, you're talking about money. What if I don't have any money? God doesn't ask you to give what you don't have. Do you have a smile? Do you have a lending ear? Do you have a hug? Do you have some good advice? Make the most of that opportunity. Take advantage of that moment. Give what you do have. I'm not asking you to give something you don't have. I'm asking you to give what you do have. Just give something to them. Season with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Wherever you go, you just got to realize that God is trying to set up Kairos moments in almost every single interaction, these favorable moments. And I just want you to try it. Just step out. Have some fun with it. Just try it. And then lastly, obedience is the key. And listen, there's going to be some times that God asks you to do some things that you just flat out go, that's crazy. What are you, what are you smoking, God? Because I'm not smoking that. Like this week at early morning prayer at, at 6.30 a.m., Pastor Josh came to me afterwards and was like, hey, um, I'm supposed to go visit this lady that's in a coma in the hospital. And during early morning prayer, I heard God say to me, grab your guitar and go sing uh, 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 this worship song over her in the hospital when she's like, she can't do anything. He, he said, they want me to go, uh, God wants me to go sing, do it again. What do you think I should do? I was like, you should go do that. He's like, don't you think that'll be weird? I was like, heck yeah, it will be. Sucks to be you, but I'm glad God asked you because that would be terrible if I sang it. <laughs> I seen you move. You know, it's like it, it, might, it might kill her. But God asked you, <laughs> who's got an incredible voice, to go sing that. So you go sing that. So this woman's in a coma, and as Josh is singing this song, all of a sudden her eyes pop open. He said, I freaked out. <laughs> But you never know. You go, that's weird. But God isn't asking us to judge the weirdness. He's asking us to be obedient, isn't he? I love the story in John chapter 2. Well, I don't have time to read it all. But basically, they're at a wedding and, and they run out of wine. And you got to understand that that would have been a big deal in a Jewish kind of ceremony because Jewish people, they didn't do honeymoons. They just did an extended ceremony. It was like five days long. And so if you were to run out of wine before the five-day party was over, that would have looked bad. And so they're out of wine and, and Jesus goes, to, or, or Mary goes to Jesus and goes, hey, Jesus, they're out of wine. He's like, why are you bothering me? You ever feel like Jesus says that to you? Like, why are you bothering me right now? <laughs> I feel that way. And uh, just being honest, I, I'm a pastor. It's okay. Honesty in church is good for your soul. 
And I think Mary knew something about Jesus that nobody else knew. I mean, she watched Jesus all throughout time. I think that at times, this isn't in the Bible. This is just my conjecture. You know, they're at the pool or they're at the lake and everybody's playing. And all of a sudden, Jesus walking on water. He's like, get down in the water like a normal kid. You know, she just saw this stuff. Family dog gets run over by a chariot. Jesus is like, he's not dead. And Jesus and the dog's alive. Mary's like, Jesus, I need you to go to the store and get some flour. We're out of it. And he's like, I don't feel like going. Why don't you check that cupboard again? And all of a sudden, there's like flour pouring out. Again, that's not in the Bible. So don't, don't go. He said that it was in the It's not, okay? That's just my interpretation, okay? So she knew what he was capable of, right? He goes, he actually says, dear woman, like he didn't even call her by name. Why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. And his mom just totally ignores him like every mom does to their son. Doesn't matter what you say. And she looks at the servants and she goes, do whatever he says. And the reason she told them do whatever he says is because she knew what Jesus would ask would be crazy and weird. And so when Jesus asks us to do crazy and weird, we should be doing it because what's on the other side of that is usually a miracle for somebody's life. It's one of the reasons why as your pastor, I've never, you know, we're in this huge, immeasurably more building project right now. I'm never going to ask you to give towards it. But I will ask you to pray. I'll unapologetically cast vision for what we could do and what we could impact and who we could reach. I'll never ask you to be, come and do this. What I'll ask you to do is pray. Ask God. Ask God and ask God how he'd want you to be a part of it and then just be obedient to whatever he says. And if you do that, I believe with all of my heart and soul, mind and strength that, that everything that's needed will be provided. See, there's no pressure on me up here to get something from you because I know that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his glory and riches in Christ Jesus. See, I know where my source is, so I'm not worried about if God asks me to do something, I'm like, God, here you go. So obedience is the key. And I know some of you guys are like, man, that's, that's a little crazy and nervous. But here's what the Bible says. Luke chapter 18, I guarantee this. Anyone who gives up anything for the kingdom of God will certainly receive many times more in this life and will receive eternal life in the next world to come. The more we bless others, the more we'll be blessed. And that word blessed means God's favor on our lives. It doesn't say you're going to have a Bentley with 22s or live out on the beach. He says you're going to have God's favor on your life. So that's God's word. Here's three things I think we should do real quick. Number one, we got to pray. Don't listen to me. Listen, I'm not God. I'm just some good-looking bald dude who, who hasn't spoken in a couple of weeks and is, is a little jacked up on caffeine. So what, what, I, what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to pray. Ask God, spend some time with him, and say, God, what do you want me to do? What did Jesus say at the very end? Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. He said, then the disciples... 
Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask, or in other words, pray to the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. See, my prayer every day is, God, send more workers. Send more people that want to harvest people for you, because that's what you're about. And so what I do every, every morning, I get up and I go, God, I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to believe for that. I'm going to trust you for that. I'm not play, praying for the things. I'm praying for the people. So you should pray. Number two, plan. Plan. You either fail to plan or you plan to fail, right? That's a, that's a common saying that's out there. We plan. I plan my schedule. I plan how I spend my finances. Man, my first 10% goes to God every single time. It goes to the local church where I find my church. This is my church. Everything above that, we make a plan for. It's one of the reasons why we tell you about offerings way ahead of time. Because we want you to plan. Be wise. Be good stewards. You need to plan to serve. Inside your worship, God is a get connected card. If you want to serve in life, you know what? You got to make a plan to serve. You got to put it on your schedule. You got to do those things. It's important for us to do those things. Back in the day, I used to carry around this thing called a day planner. Anybody remember that? Black books had every hour in it. You'd write things in it. Why? Because is to plan your day. Why don't we do the same things when it comes to our spiritual life, our emotional life, our financial life? Galatians says, make careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, then sink yourself into that. You can't sink yourself into something that you haven't made time for in life. Then number three, participate. It's real simple. I believe that every single one of us needs to participate in the opportunity of the Kairos moments that are before us. Listen, opportunity doesn't last forever. The great theologian Eminem said, look, if you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted, one moment, would you capture it or would you just let it slip away? Eminem has been reading his Bible. <laughs> Today is our Kairos moment. My prayer is that we'll be like Isaiah when he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then he said, Here am I. Send me. <laughs>